Welcome to Leading Lights. You are about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello, we're doing a series of talks on leaders and authority because authority is important to us. All of us have people we have to answer to, even if it's just the government or our parents. And many of us are in authority over other people. And God is a king. He is in authority. And so our relationship to authority is absolutely crucial to our happiness, to our success, and to where we spend eternity. And many people have an unhappy life because of their relationship with authority. And one of the main issues in this problematic relationship is your boss. And so today I want to talk about bosses and employees. In the Bible, the common term is masters and servants, because they had a system that is sometimes translated slave or servant in the Bible, but it wasn't the same as what we think of as slavery. It was more like if a person was poor when they left their parents' home, they would go and they would say to a wealthy person, I will work for you until I've paid off the debt that you are going to give me the money for. And so it was a way of getting themselves out of poverty. And in the Roman Empire, when the New Testament was written, a third of the population were in this kind of bond servant or slave employment, where they were trying to earn enough money to get their debts paid and to get out of poverty. A third were slaves and a third had been slaves, but it's not the same as the slaves we think of. Nobody would go and kidnap them and steal them and make them work for nothing. No, they voluntarily made themselves bond servants. And so we see throughout the Bible, most of Jesus's parables talk about servants and masters. It's this relationship. A third, as I say, were slaves and a third had been slaves and had bought themselves out of poverty, usually by the age of about 30. They'd worked for long enough that they could then become free. So think about that. Two thirds of the population of the Roman Empire were slaves or had been slaves. So it, it was a different way of thinking. But the Bible is full of stories about masters or bosses and servants or employees. And I believe that for many of us, a source of our happiness or our frustration is our work and particularly our relationship with our superiors and our bosses. Is that true for you? Have you been unhappy at work and it's really because you've got a boss who you just battle with so much? Or perhaps your fulfillment and happiness comes from what you do every day. You know, we spend so many hours at work every week and we put all our energy and strength into our work that you can be sure that God has a message for us about our work and our relationship with the authority structures in our work. So what I want to do is do a bit of an unusual approach today. I'm going to look at the Apostle Paul. He was born in about 5 AD when he was about 30 years old he had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. He had been a religious leader working as a rabbi or a, a religious legal lawyer type person persecuting Christians. At the age of about 30, he becomes a believer. He spends about two or three years studying the Bible, praying, learning about God. And then he goes back to his hometown of Tarsus 
just to the to the north of um, Israel. He goes back to Tarsus and he spends about 10 years there. He can't work as a religious leader anymore because he doesn't believe in what the Jewish people teach. He now is a Christian, so he can't do that. And he has to fall back on a trade that he had learned, which was making tents out of leather and various materials with his hands. And in those 10 years, we don't know much about what happened, but we can assume because of all the persecutions that he describes in the Bible later on about being whipped and persecuted, a lot of those uh, did not happen in the book of Acts. So they must have happened in those 10 years when he was working as a tent maker. We know that he used to have a wife because he was a rabbi, but now he doesn't later on in the Bible. So his wife either died or left him in those 10 years in Tarsus. His family probably rejected him because he no longer represented Judaism. And so it was a difficult time. And then Barnabas, the great encourager in the Bible, came to Tarsus, got Paul, took him to Antioch. They had a couple of years of very fruitful ministry in Antioch where he was teaching and preaching. And then they went off on their missionary journeys to spread the gospel around the world. And I just want to go through the progression of Paul's experience, but also his teaching about working, about authority, about bosses and employees. So right at the start, um, in Galatians 3 verse 28, Paul is writing, he's about 45 years old now. He's just started his his missionary journeys around the world. And he writes to the Galatians, he says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. He says the old ideas of a boss and an employee being of different classes, when we're in Christ, those go away, as well as racial distinctions, even gender distinctions. In God's eyes, we are all as important as one another. Now, that was a radical teaching, radical for those days, because slaves thought they were of a lower class. So his first teaching we see on this topic, Galatians 3.28, is there is neither slave nor free any longer. And then just about a year later, he's in Corinth in the city uh, where he's traveled as a missionary. He himself is working, making tents in Corinth. We know that from Acts 18, which I'll show you a bit later. And he writes to the Thessalonians. He's writing back to one of the cities where he had visited. So remember, we're looking at Paul's teaching and understanding of employment, bosses, authority, work, all these different topics. And he writes to them in 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 11, that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands, as we commanded you, that you may walk properly toward those who are outside, and that you may lack nothing. Paul says, mind your own business, work with your own hands. So he's encouraging people to have a job, but if possible, to have their own business, I believe is what he's saying. And he says, the reason is that you're a good witness. You walk properly towards those who are not yet believers, but also that you have enough that you may lack nothing because work and provision go together. You know, in another place, Paul says, if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. Now, God promises to provide all of our needs, but God also wants us to work because it's good for us. It's good for the world around us. Our own mental and emotional well-being are strengthened when we have something to do. 
And so God's plan is for us to work and for it to provide for us, although God is the ultimate salary payer. Right, we move on about three years later. So we've seen Paul at the start of his ministry writing to the Galatians and the Thessalonians saying slaves and and masters are all the same, saying we should work and we should try and have our own business if we can and lead quiet, peaceful lives, he says, as we walk to impress those who are not yet believers. And then uh, a few years later, um, from Ephesus, where Paul is now working as a tent maker with Priscilla and Aquila. Again, I'm going to show you those verses in a bit, but Paul is working every day, making tents, even though he is the great apostle. Uh, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 21, Paul writes back to the Corinthians where he had been, and he says, Were you called while a slave? So the word slave, the word servant, are the same in the Bible. It's the, the Greek word doulos. And again, it's that idea of being an indentured servant. It's a bit like if an accountant wants to become an accountant, they go to an accounting firm. They say, I'll work for you for five years. You train me. Nowadays, we get paid to be an articled clerk. But about 50 years ago, you paid the accounting firm to do it. And it's kind of the same indentured bond servants or slaves would go to a richer family or businessman and say, I'll work for you for this many years. You'll pay me. I'll get myself out of debt and I'll learn something in the process. So Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, were you called while a slave, while working for someone? Do not be concerned about it, but if you can be made free, rather use it. So Paul says, don't treat your slavery as the main issue in your life. Work where you are, use it for God's glory. But if you can get out of it, do so. For he who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freed man. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. He says that slavery, the actual thing of being an employee or having a boss above you is not the main thing to worry about. But if you can get out of it, do so. And then verse 23, you were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Do not go into slavery if you can. Avoid it. You know, I always chuckle when I hear non-Christians attacking the Bible and say the Bible promotes slavery because again and again throughout the Bible, it doesn't promote slavery. In the Old Testament, slaves were set free after every six years. The longest a person could be a slave was six years. They voluntarily put themselves in that position to get themselves out of debt. And there were laws in the Old Testament and in the New Testament against slave trading or kidnapping people and forcing them to be slaves. They had to volunteer for it. So the Bible is not, is not promoting slavery. And Paul here says, if you can get out of it, do so. But it's not the big deal of life. There are bigger issues. In that same letter, so Paul is now in Ephesus working as a tent maker. He's about 49 years old by this stage. He writes to the Corinthians. He says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. And in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 5, he says, We ourselves are your bond servants or your slaves for Jesus' sake. He says that we as Christians make ourselves the servants of other people for God's purpose and for God's glory. And he says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, you're doing it for God's glory. You see, some of us think that our work is just something we have to do to pay the bills, but our real life 
our real ministry, our real expression of ourselves happens in our spare time and in church meetings. And what God is saying through Paul in these verses is that your whole life, including your work, all those hours you're at work, is your ministry to God. Whatever you do, you do it to the glory of God. And so we should see our work as an opportunity to shine for Christ. Now, I'm going to jump ahead to close to the end of Paul's life. About five years later, Paul is now 55 years old and he's in prison in Rome. And he writes three or four letters from his home imprisonment. He was in a rented house, but he was under house arrest. He could have visitors, but he was chained up and he had guards looking after him. And he wrote a few letters and several of them deal with employment, with bosses, with servants or employees. So the first is Philemon. Have you heard of this funny little book? It's one chapter long towards the end of the Bible called Philemon. And Paul writes from Rome, from his prison, to a man called Philemon who is his friend. He writes very affectionately to him. And in Philemon 1 verse 10, he says, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. So Paul writes to Philemon, his friend, and he says, there's this man called Onesimus, and the word Onesimus means profitable. And so he's having a little joke, a play on words here. He says, I'm writing to you about this man called Profitable, Onesimus, who has become my son while I'm in chains. In other words, this man, Onesimus, had come to Rome, met with Paul in his house arrest room, and become a Christian. And Paul says, he once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. What happened was Onesimus had been an indentured servant to Philemon who lived in Colossae, another town a few hundred miles away. And Onesimus had broken his contract. He'd run away from his employment. And so Paul says he once was unprofitable to you. He used to be a bad employee. He wasn't good at his job. He didn't help the boss. He didn't do what he had said he would do. And eventually he ran away while still owing Philemon some money. So he says he once was unprofitable to you, but now he's become a Christian and he is profitable to you and to me. And his name means profitable. Really interesting. So he says he can make you money, but it's deeper than that. He goes on in verse uh, 15 to say, For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. He says... He's now a Christian brother. Philemon, you're a Christian. I'm a Christian. Onesimus is now a Christian. I'm sending him back to you. He broke his contract. He wasn't a good employee. I'm sending him back, but I'm asking you to receive him back. Paul even says, I will pay any money that you lost because of his bad performance. And he says, receive him back as a brother, but I believe also as an employee. And so we see this amazing situation in the early church where slaves and masters were in church together and sometimes the slave who worked for the boss in in the job was the elder of the church who was in authority over the boss in church and somehow the body of Christ found a way for that to work absolutely beautiful 
Paul, while he's in Roman prison, writes a couple more letters. I'm just going to read you a couple of excerpts. Colossians 3 verse 22. This was written to the city where Philemon lived. He says, bond servants, which is the same as slaves, same as servants, same as, as employees, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleases, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. He says, as Christians, we have a whole different attitude to work, to being a servant and to being a boss. Servants work hard as if to God, not to the master. We're doing it for God. We're trying to be the best accountant, the best teacher, the best street sweeper, the best whatever it is for God. There happens to be a boss, but we see him as God's representative. And even if he's a bad boss, we trust that God will judge him one day and we look through him and serve God and do the best job we can, obeying and being helpful. And then masters, he says, realize you have a master in heaven. You're going to be judged for how you treat these people. Treat them well. In 1 Timothy, again, written from prison in Rome, the same thing. He writes to Ephesus, Timothy in Ephesus. He says, let as many bond servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor. That means respect. That means I don't talk badly and insult them and, and talk behind their back so that the name of God and his doctrine may not be blasphemed. He says, you're a witness. The way you talk about your boss and the way you treat your boss is a witness to the world around you. Suddenly work is not just something I do until I can be free to serve God at the end of the day. No, no. My work is a witness. In verse 2, he says, And those who have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren. In other words, even if your boss is a fellow believer in church, you don't treat him differently. You still honor and respect him because we're respecting the position and we're saying God puts authority in place and we are a witness to the world. But rather serve them because those who are benefited are believers and beloved. You see, when we work for bosses, they get more benefit than we do. That's the way businesses work. The boss earns more money than I do as an employee. That's just the way it is in every business, in every structure. And he says, that's okay. And especially if they're believers, you are happy to bless them with your work because you know that there's a bigger God who's looking after you. In Luke chapter 10, when Jesus sends out the 70 witnesses or evangelists, he says, the laborer is worthy of his wages. God will pay your wages, friend, as long as you are busy doing something for him. Titus 2 verse 9 Again, written from Rome in prison, Paul says, Exhort bondservants to be obedient to their own masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back. <laughs> not answering back, not being a pain. Be a nice, easy cog in the, in the wheel, in the machine. Be a, 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 a part of the machine that works smoothly and doesn't cause stress. Not answering back, not pilfering, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. 
He says, the way you act at work and the way you are a good employee and you speak well and you do your best and you don't steal things. He says, you are adorning the doctrine. Because if you're a Christian, your boss and your fellow employees should know you're a Christian. And they are watching you. And every time you act well and you do a good job and you are respectful, you are adorning the doctrine. In other words, you've said God loves you. God is good. Jesus died for you. Jesus forgives sins. Now you are adorning that by showing how you act. I want to just talk quickly then about Paul in Ephesus and Corinth. So I'm not going to read all the verses, but in Acts chapter 18, in the first three verses, we see that Paul goes to a town called Corinth. There's a couple there called Priscilla and Aquila who are tent makers, just like Paul is. He arrives there. He's without his friends, Titus and, and various others. And so he goes to Priscilla and Aquila and he says, can I work for you? Now, this is the great apostle Paul. He's been on missionary journeys. He's planted so many churches. Uh, this is the second last church we see him planting in the New Testament. So he's a well-experienced apostle who's written many letters of the Bible already. And he goes to this couple and he says, Can I work for you as a tent maker in Acts 18 verses 1 to 3? They are then so impressed that after a year and a half, when Paul now moves to Ephesus, Priscilla and Aquila move with him. They set up a tent making business there in Ephesus. And when Paul comes back to Ephesus to start the church, the final church he's going to plant, his crowning jewel of churches, he goes and works for them again. And listen to what he says at the end of his time in Ephesus. He's saying goodbye to the Ephesian leaders. He says, I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who were with me. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this, that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, that he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Paul says he worked hard while he was in Ephesus for three years. In fact, we're told that in this time, it talks about a two-year period when he was working and ministering in Ephesus. Uh, Acts 19 verse 10, it says, This continued for two years so that all who dwelt in the whole province of Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. So Paul is teaching every day in a little rented hall and he's working as a tent maker. And yet everyone in the province hears the word of the Lord because Paul is diligent and he's a good witness and, and he's working hard and he's being generous with the money that he earns. People are being affected and they're going out and spreading the gospel. Amazing. Listen to what it says. Verse 11, Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Paul was working as a tent maker, and he would have a handkerchief around his forehead and an apron on. And when he'd finished his work day, people would go and pick up the handkerchief and the apron, and they'd go and put it on sick people, and people got healed. Friends, your work is anointed. Your ministry is not just in a special Christian meeting somewhere, or, or if you have the title reverend before your name. No, no. When you work, even as a tent maker, even as a laborer, as a, as a carer, as a nurse, whatever you do, it is anointed by God. When we say everything I do is for the glory of God, I'm going to treat my boss, not as a perfect person, but as God's representative, God's anointing flows. 
His power flows. I want you to see your work as anointed and as a ministry because God needs teachers and carers and authorities in government structures and all the different things. And our relationship to, to the authorities above us shows our relationship to God. You are a witness. You are shining for Christ and the world is watching you. You know, God wants Christians in every office, in every workplace around the world. And he loves that there are people who are sweeping the streets and making art and authoring books. God wants us to be doing all of these things. He wants us to adorn the doctrine with the way that we do our job. Now, if you have a bad boss, you submit to them. But remember what Paul said, if you can get out of it, do so. Uh, when David was serving King Saul, Saul was trying to kill him. And David eventually tried to obey him, but eventually he had to flee and run away. But he still honored Saul, never spoke badly about him, but he had to get out of that damaging situation. There are times to leave a job, but we don't speak badly about our bosses. And you remember that verse in Romans chapter 13, verse 1. We spoke about it previously. It says, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. And it goes on in verse 4 to say they are ministers of God for your good to bless you. When we see authorities, not the person, but the position as a blessing from God to bring honor, to bring order, to bring blessing, to bring provision. And we honor that authority, not because they're a special person, but because the position was appointed by God. You know, in this verse 13, verse 1, where it says, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. It's in the perfect tense, which means God set this up once for all, long ago, and it's done forever. Every position of authority was set up by God. There may be bad people in those positions, but we honor the position and we honor the God above it. We say, God, you will judge them if they've done wrong. I see them as your representative even if they're not a great person, and I choose to honor them for your glory. Friend, be a good employee, be a good boss, treat your employees well, and God will use you. You will see your ministry expand to all those hours of the week, not just a few hours. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.